0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Thousand miles to logic, but only ten for our next
2: Chitlin's chat. The host of Hogs is ready to welcome you, weary traveler, for a raise of friends, palaces of all product, and a very feast of flesh. Come on by and make the lonely road
3: feel a little less lonely.
1: Start. If you've recently purchased a property and you're worried
4: about a history of illicit worship, sunken temples, forgotten sacrifices buried in the walls, call the Slag King Excavation Service Hotline today. With the cleansing power
1: of liquid concrete, we'll purify your foundations and we'll give you the opportunity you need for a genuine fresh start. We're the best at what we do and our
3: clients agree. Clients like Nishi Ghosh, Oji, Ochi, De Jimmy Yamaguchi and Alan Covenney. The Slacking. Mm-hmm. Foundations, <laughs> New
1: Heights.
4: <sighs> Refill your coffee?
5: Yes, thank you. Eggs okay? Really good. Really, uh... juicy. The eggs are juicy? Really good, I mean. I'm just... I'm savoring them.
4: Well, that's okay. Take your time. You just let me know if there's anything you need with the room, too. Mm -hmm. All right, then. (laughs) Nice chatting with you. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me.
5: Sorry. You're the owner of the hotel, aren't you?
4: Owner, waiter, bed-turner, and chef of the Amicus Hotel. So you can feel free to place a complaint with me about the juicy eggs, and I'll pass it on to myself.
5: No, I didn't... Is it, um, an old family place?
4: Ah, you're thinking I'm very young to have ascended to such dizzying heights of wealth and success all by myself. (laughs) No, I bought it.
5: Did you change the name, perhaps?
4: It's always been the Amicus as far as I know. Anything else you'd need to know?
5: Do you have time to talk with me?
4: Well? I'm not sure. Got all these other tables to serve. That was a joke. What's on your mind?
5: I'm trying to decide if I've been here before.
4: We don't have a loyalty card? Uh,
5: I was wondering about the name. The Amicus Hotel. It's the wrong nomenclature come again it's not a hotel it's a motel a big motel but it's still a motel the rooms all face outwards they open out to the car park
4: that's the most specific complaint i think i've ever heard i didn't name the hotel i took it over from a guy called amicus and i imagine he named it after himself or it's one hell of a coincidence why does that matter it, it doesn't.
5: It just caught my eye. Because I'm... I'm trying to find my way back to a place that pretends to be one thing, but is really another.
4: Well, you found that all right. This is most definitely a colossal one-star dump pretending to be a two-star dump.
5: <laughs> you, um... You make a lot of jokes.
4: Well... Perhaps it's because you're a little intense. Maybe it's because you're making me nervous. I don't mean to. I'm sure you don't. You've been on the road a long time. Six weeks now since I first set out. Not a lot of people to talk to. I'd be a little out of practice myself.
5: I don't mind that, necessarily.
4: My name's Sebastian. Devereaux. It's a nice name. What was on your mind, Devereaux? I've
5: actually been this way once before. Westwards. Along the highway. Okay. The last time. I was 11 years old. I came out here with my older sister, Francine. We set out together from Glottage, heading northwest. We were hoping to find our parents, or some sign of our parents, maybe anyone who used to know them. We were just looking for any trace, really. We knew their names and we knew that they'd grown up out this way. And we were desperate to learn just a little more about who they were and where they'd gone. Foster home. Foster home. Francine was 16. She'd always said she was going to run away from that foster home the first chance she got. She was going to run away and find her parents out west, and then she'd come back for me. But I begged her, and I clung to her, and I begged her again, take me with you, please, take me with you. Do you have any siblings?
3: Not
4: anymore.
5: She'd been taking care of me ever since we came to the home, Francine. She resented that pressure that had been placed on her. I was dead weight to her, whining, mewling, dead weight, but she'd always taken care of me. She said, okay, you can come with me Dev, but you need to be as silent as a mouse, and you need to always do exactly as you're told. If you make my life difficult, if you whine or complain, or cause a fuss, I'm leaving you behind. I I promised her yes. I thanked her. I sobbed until she told me to stop sobbing or, once again, she'd leave me behind. And a few days later, Francine woke me up in the middle of the night, and she told me it was time. She'd snuck into our host's rooms earlier that day and raided the jewelry drawer. She'd stolen a week's food and water from the kitchens. And as she shooed me down the stairs, I I remember... She grabbed me by the hand and we were both laughing. Maybe the last time we both laughed together. Because it felt like the start of a grand new adventure. It, it felt like hope and joy and better things and better ways of living lay ahead of us on the westwards highway. <laughs> we made our way across the territory. Slowly. Francine did all of the work. She scraped together the money for food, sometimes for a place to stay. She fought to keep us alive and keep us safe. She stuck her thumb out to find us rides while I hid in the bushes. She did so much for me. I mostly sobbed and complained. And I said unhelpful things like how much I missed my friends back at the foster house. And and Francine kept telling me, Dev... If you don't stop crying, if you don't stop complaining, I'm going to leave you behind and go on by myself. But she never once made good on her threat. And then one night, we were sleeping in a cheap motel.
4: Hotel or motel?
5: Motel. Definitely a motel.
4: Because the rooms open out onto the car park.
5: Are you making fun of me?
4: Yes, and I'm sorry. Keep talking.
5: It was called the Rapture and Bliss. That part I remember vividly. Two floors on all four sides of the motel. Chipped wallpaper. One of those old motels where the pipes bang all through the night, and the ceiling creaks, and it's like footsteps, like there's something moving beneath the skin of it. We were shivering beneath the sheet in a double bed, because the double bed was all they had left. We slept in our clothes, which was partly because the rooms were freezing, and partly because Francine thought the cops could show up at any minute and drag us back to the foster home. And my feet hurt from the walking and I couldn't sleep from the cold and I was frightened. So I kept on sniveling and tossing and turning and throwing the blankets off Francine in the process. Francine told me to shut up. She told me to stop crying and stop wriggling about and at some point late into the night She grew impatient, and she whispered to me, There's a god under the bed. Dev, there's a god under the bed. A god with many legs, and big eyes, and a bigger grin, and he takes offerings that have been left for him in the night. So you need to stop crying, because if you keep crying, he's going to hear you. And if he comes up from his haunt, beneath the floorboards, and he hears you crying, and he sees you thrashing about, he's going to think you're leaving him an offering, and he's going to take limbs off you, Dev, one at a time, plucking them off of you like a doll's limbs, like an insect's legs, and he's going to add them to himself. I was terrified, I told her to stop it, I begged her to stop, but she just kept insisting. When the god under the bed comes, Dev, if there's any part of you that isn't remaining absolutely still beneath the bedsheet, whether it's your, your, your head or your arm or your leg, he's going to pluck it from your body and take it as his prize. So you just be quiet, Dev. You just be quiet and still. Shh. I can hear the god under the bed. He's coming. You can hear him too, can't you, Dev? So just be quiet and be still and go to sleep. I-, I threw my head under the blanket, I buried my face in the pillow, Then I fell quiet and still. Although, of course, I-, I did not sleep. I was too frightened to sleep. I, I was too frightened to breathe. I-, I couldn't get the thought out of my head that there was a god under my bed and he was coming up from under the floorboards, and if I wasn't absolutely quiet and still, he would hear me, and he would pluck the limbs off me one by one. It must have been two or three in the morning by then, the kind of still and uncomfortable quiet you only get in the hours before dawn. I rolled over onto my stomach, and then I heard it. There was scratching from somewhere beneath me. Scratching like like something coming up from underneath the floorboards. I, I wanted to call out to Francine. I wanted to wake her up. But I couldn't make a sound. I couldn't raise my face from the pillow. And the scratching got louder and louder. And then I thought I heard something creaking out onto the boards beneath the bed. A long and inhuman slithering, and I felt the pressure of something pushing down upon the weight of the mattress as it rose up onto its feet beside me. God. I flung the sheets off me, and I leapt out of bed and I ran without looking back. I remember throwing the door open, I remember dashing out onto the balcony, and I can remember I heard Francine calling after me before the door to the room slammed shut. I ran down the stairs and through the lobby and out into the car park, and I crouched there, hands clutching my knees, shivering on a bonnet, staring up at the balcony. There was no way I was brave enough to go back up there. I could not go anywhere near that room, so I stared fixedly at the door instead. I waited, and I waited, and I prayed. Silently, I pleaded with the God under the bed. Please, give me back my sister. I can't remember if I drifted off on the car bonnet, but I do remember that all at once the sun was rising and the motel owner was striding out across the car park towards me. He was calling out, You okay, kid? You Okay. And I stammered out that something terrible had happened to my sister. We went up to room 41 together. Francine was gone. Her things were gone. Her rucksack, her toothbrush, her shoes. There was no sign of any struggle. The bed sheets were neatly folded. The room key was still on the bedside table. And when the motel owner and I looked together, there was nothing underneath the bed. He was sympathetic, and looking back, I know he didn't want to say what he was thinking. That I was making things up. That I'd had a nightmare. That I'd lost time. That my sister had abandoned me. He offered me another night in the motel, in another room, to sort myself out, but I couldn't stand the thought of staying there any longer. And I thought the god under the bed might come for me next. And I told him I was heading westwards to try and catch up with my sister. That's the spirit, he told me. Never lose hope. Anyway, I left the rapture and bliss behind and I... began walking southeast. Back towards Glottage. Back to the foster home.
4: I think this is the motel.
5: It's never as you remember it, right? 25 years. Trauma, really, it really doesn't number on your recall. I've stayed at every single motel, hotel, and rest stop along this highway, even if it didn't match the description. After a while, all of them just start to blend into one. When I arrived last night... I didn't think this could possibly be the place. The carpet was a different shade, the lobby was the wrong shape. I went and I stood out in the car park, and I looked up at the second floor balcony, and I thought I felt a kind of recognition. The same terror I felt on the night, and I wondered if this could be the place.
4: Is that why you asked for a room on the ground floor? Yes, it is. What exactly are you expecting to find here?
5: (sighs) For a very long time growing up, I believed I'd summoned the god under the bed. But I thought about it too hard. I imagined it too well. And I brought a stray god to life in my terror. And then it took my sister. I came out here in the hopes of freeing myself from that guilt. Shedding that weight.
4: Finding a way to move on from it. I'm guessing you had to take a long vacation from work to set out on this grand quest of yours? No. I quit. You're off contract? Paid sabbatical. You must have done well for yourself. Okay. You were right. The Amicus is a motel. But it's a good place. It's good bones to it. After every guest leaves, I check beneath the bed and in the cupboard, and I sweep it for any prayer marks basic good practice when you're cleaning a room. Most folk are decent, but sometimes you get a traveler who decides to leave a little piece of their god behind, like a nasty joke, a bad dream deity, something like that. If you find it, you just have to sand it away before anyone else spends the night. Maybe that's what happened to you? Maybe. Would you like to see the room? Think this could be it?
5: I don't know. the wardrobe facing the bed like that. I remember wallpaper, not paint.
4: They could have moved it. Brought in new furniture, given everything a fresh coat of paint. It's been a long time from what you said. Nothing keeps its shape forever.
5: 25 years. You ever take up the paint?
4: It's all just as it was. I'm not really a decorator.
5: Do you mind if I look under the bed?
4: Sweep out any cobwebs you spot while you're down there. Here, I've got a flashlight. Anything?
5: No. Nothing. What's
4: under the floorboards? About a foot of crawl space filled with pipes and insulation. Beneath that, the first four rooms. You've seen it? Once, to fix a leak. I'm not making a fortune out here, I try not to pull the place to pieces unless I have to.
5: And you've never had guests go missing or anything like
3: that?
4: Guests go missing all the time. That's why I charge up front. Most travelers on the highway aren't that sociable. Sometimes people check out without saying goodbye, or they don't stay for breakfast. I don't take that one to heart. But they take their cases with them, and they drive their cars away if they've got one. They just drift on. It's the real difference between a hotel and a motel, right? In a hotel, the ghosts stick around. In a motel, they leave you after the first night.
5: Any strange noises?
4: Well, like you said, knocks, creaks, pipes groan, and windows rattle. But none of that's abnormal. You could talk to every hotelier up and down the highway and they'll tell you how they drink their way through every winter to survive the empty corridors and the empty rooms, how they feel like they're being watched. People aren't meant to live alone in places this big. It makes us lose our minds.
5: You sound as if you've never liked this place all that much.
4: Don't get me wrong. The amicus saved me.
5: Do you mind if I sit on the bed?
4: Dev, you could just go ahead and assume you're free to poke around at everything you like in this room.
5: Yeah. It's not the rapture and bliss. I'm in the wrong place.
4: Can you really be certain, though, that you'd recognize your motel if you saw it?
5: I have to be certain. Otherwise, what am I even out here for?
4: You like, um, drinking whiskey? Not at all. That's good to hear, because the whiskey I'm about to fetch for you is very bad indeed, and I'm guessing you won't be able to tell the difference. Give me a minute... I'll be right back, just heading down to the bar, okay? Okay. Thank you. It's okay. It's okay. Just a bad dream. What? You fell asleep. Hate to say it, Dev, but I think you might be running a fever. I brought the first aid kit, and I don't think there's really anything in here that can help with that, but uh, there are plasters and things. Oh. Long, maybe an hour, I came back, found you like this. I drank your whiskey, then I came back up and I sat with you just in case anything crawled out from under the bed. <sighs> Nothing crawled out from under the bed
5: i I think I've sweated all over your sheets.
4: Don't worry about it dev my My sister called me Dev. I know I'm taking liberties.
5: I should be going.
4: That's an interesting thing, actually, because we've got a late checkout policy here at the Amicus, and it applies specifically to sweating, shivering invalids. I'd give it a day, at least. Do you want to be in another room, or are you okay sleeping here?
5: I don't know if I can stand.
4: Fair enough. I'm going to leave the door ajar, okay? So you can see out. And I'll be back in a while to check on you. That's not dev. Don't worry about it. There's nowhere you need to be. Just take it easy, rest up, sleep well and feel better. If the god under the bed comes to eat you in the night, I'll wake you up so you don't miss it.
1: Triple cooked carbohydrates is exactly what you need. Come on by to the Chitland's camp, just ten miles down the road. These are today's Chitland's choices. Full rack of ribs, beef, fifty percent off. Full rack of ribs, pork, fifty percent off. Share a store with burnt ends.
5: What are you making?
4: Well, we've got a couple of cocktail kits behind the bar. No instruction books, though. So I have poured some whiskey and ginger and schnapps into this shaker, and now I'm shaking it.
5: I don't know why you're being so kind to me.
4: I think people should be kind to one another.
5: People aren't usually kind to me. They don't often like me.
4: I like you, Dev. I expertly calculate that this has been shaken for precisely long enough. You think I'm lying? You think I make delicious, original recipe cocktails for everyone who stops by here?
5: I don't think you're lying. I just don't understand it.
4: So, where to next?
5: There's only one direction as far as I'm concerned.
4: Next motel along the road is the Golden Beacon, owned by the Swinsons. Nice old couple. And they've been there for decades. so I don't think it's your motel, but you never know. I can call ahead. Think you'll recognize your motel owner if you see him again? I hope so. If something did take your sister, you know it's odds to evens that he was caught up in it. I know. That's why you asked me if I inherited the motel.
5: Yes, it
4: was. And that's why you didn't eat my eggs, in case I'd poisoned
5: them. No, the eggs were just disgusting. Like this cocktail. <laughs> I don't think you're caught up in anything, are you?
4: I haven't been caught up in anything since I was fourteen. My people were pig farmers. Don't know if you've seen how they conduct the chitterlings' sacrifices, but it'll either numb you to the entire business, or it'll put you off for life. I had to do a lot of the dirty work. My old man used to say, it'd toughen me up. It worked, just not in the way he expected. You see those people out north? The children of the wound tree? Anti-god, anti-sacrifice?
5: I've been following the news, yeah. Good for them. Honestly. Good for them. Everyone at work was saying the draft's gone too far. We need tangible, meaningful sacrificial reform.
4: We need to burn all of it to the fucking ground. (laughs) Maybe you and I should head out and join them in the hills.
5: Those people are very brave, I think. And I'm not like them at all.
4: I never had a lot of courage. You left your job to go out and look for your sister. That takes courage.
5: Not much. I've got security. I've got a safety net. Are you on a contract, Sebastian?
4: Yeah, I'm safe. I've got one of those consumer contracts with the Church Electric, premium membership, and a special gas meter. Hasn't saved me from the power cuts, but nobody's enlisting me. Can you call me, Seb, please? Uh, Of course, I'm sorry. There's no no need to be sorry. You seem better today, you know? A bit more light in your eyes. It's early yet? What would you like to do with your evening?
5: What, uh, what do you want to do?
4: I want you to pick something that makes you happy. We can head up to the roof, see if we can spot the missiles falling over the coast, toast the imminent collapse and surrender of our nation-state. I can make you another drink, if you can stand that.
5: How do we get up to the roof?
4: Absolutely no idea. I've never been. (laughs) We can play pool right here in the bar. We can dance.
5: I don't think I can play pool, and I certainly can't dance. I'm not much good at
4: anything. Why do you insist on pitying yourself like that?
5: It's not very charming, I know.
4: I didn't realize you were trying to be charming.
5: Well, I'm... You're very charming, Seb. And so I suppose I feel like I have to live up to
4: that. What did you do to pass the time with your sister?
5: Well, we. We played games.
4: Perfect. So, play a game with me. Entertain me. I don't want to bore you. Impossible. You're too charming for that.
5: Um. I was on the road to Glottage when I met with an. Aardvark.
4: Oh, I know this one. It's it's a memory game, right?
5: Francine liked memory games, so that's what we'd play. She used to make me repeat facts about her parents. Things she'd remembered. That dad's hair was long and curly, and mom liked to wear red. That she laughed deep from her belly, and he had a mad cackle that went on and on. She made me repeat those things to her like prayers. So we didn't lose sight of them. I thought this was a lighter alternative.
4: I was on the road to Glottage when I met with an ardvark and a brave man who should be kinder to himself.
5: I was on the road to Glottage, when I met with an aardvark, a brave man who should be kinder to himself, and comfort, comfort that I wasn't expecting.
4: I was on the road to Glottage, when I met with an aardvark, a brave man who should be kinder to himself, comfort that I wasn't expecting and delicious cocktails and eggs.
5: <laughs> On my way to Glottage, I met with an Ardvark, a brave man who should be kinder to himself, comfort that I wasn't expecting, delicious cocktails and eggs, and, um, electricity in the air. Electricity. Is that... Uh... It's your turn. If you don't want to say electricity, you don't have to say electricity. I I, I meant to say elephant. Elephant.
4: I don't want to play this game anymore, Dev.
5: That's no problem at all. Uh why not?
4: I'm not waiting until we get to K. What's? You sure you're feeling up to this? Yes. Please. <laughs> Such a goddamn gentleman. What does F stand for?
5: I'm sorry if that wasn't very good.
4: Now is not the moment to say stupid things, Dev.
5: I meant to be finding Francine. I meant to be figuring out what happened to my sister. Instead, I've been lying about drinking cocktails and. and. sex. I'm meant to be back at work in two weeks, and I've made no progress. I've got no time for for something like this.
4: There should always be time for something like this. Dev. Hey, look at me. You have not failed your sister, you have not failed your mission, by lying here in a warm bed next to me. You have not let yourself down by permitting yourself a moment's joy and connection on a vast and endless road. It's not wasted time. This is something you deserve.
5: I really don't know how you can be so... so chipper and confident all
4: the time. I'm not. Really? Really? I just sound confident. Helps me feel like I'm in control instead of adrift.
5: I mostly feel adrift.
4: Wouldn't trust anyone who didn't.
5: Sometimes, Seb, I I feel very dark about the state of my life and the world around me. I feel like I'm walking in a fugue. Like if I keep stumbling forward, I'll just fall off the horizon and disappear.
4: Mm. You've got that look about you.
5: And I can't go on living like that. So of course i come up with a damn stupid idea like this one. I tell myself, maybe I only feel like this because of what happened to Francine when I was young. So if I, if I can solve the mystery, if I can fix that part of myself, the fugue will lift. The darkness will fade. Then I'll become who I was meant to be.
4: I feel dark as well. All the time. But you have to remember how remarkable it is.
5: What's remarkable?
4: That every once in a while, even in the dark, in spite of everything around us, you can still stretch your fingers out and touch something beautiful. When I left home, Dad told me, you'll come to a bad end for this, like a curse upon my back. Choose this road and there'll be no satisfaction, no lasting happiness. You'll never find your peace. Your life will turn on you, Sebastian. Loss after loss, betrayal after betrayal, just like you turned on your family. You'll end up alone and in terrible pain, with nothing but your final sorrow and your suffering exactly as you deserve. First time in his life the fucker had any kind of emotional articulacy and he wasted it on that? A curse like that, you grow up in the shadow of it. You're quite certain that you're going to die alone and in pain, and then everyone along the road who tells you otherwise is the servant of some fucking god trying to make use of you. Hope and happiness, they're lures. They're other people's stories. Can I confess something to you, Dev? Dev? Go on. I... didn't buy this place at all. I stole it. It was late midwinter, the year before last. I was traveling along the highway. No money, no food, no job. I was drifting. I was thinking about turning around, going home, begging for forgiveness. I needed a miracle. And then I found it, the sign still flashing. Amicus, amicus, friend, friend, like it was exactly what I needed. Lights were out, everything locked up, the key was under the doormat, the bed sheets were in the closet. I walked the corridors, I explored the rooms, it was empty, completely abandoned, a refuge right when I needed it. Amicus had already left. I never even met him. I only know he existed because the other motel owners on the highway told me this belonged to another guy years back. People didn't really seem to care that I'd taken over. They were just happy to see the lights were back on. And soon enough, travelers started stopping by again. I stopped surviving, and I started living here. This place saved me. But... I never trusted it with my whole heart, I didn't change the wallpaper, I didn't move the clocks. You don't want to look too close at a miracle, do you? Because maybe it's not a miracle at all. Maybe it's the last trick that's being played on you before you get the bad ending that you really deserve. So when you came to me and told me about Francine and your god under the bed, I thought, well, that must be it. That's the trick. This place wasn't my miracle. It was your motel, the rapture and bliss, just biding its time.
5: But it's not the same motel. That's worse.
4: Then I'll have to keep waiting for whatever the real trick is. Would you like to stay with me a little longer, Dev? A few days, no more than that. I Yes,
5: I'll stay. But I don't like the ground floor rooms.
4: I can put you back on the top floor. Room 30 right on the end. Other side from room 41.
5: Just in case?
4: People like you and I, Dev, we can never entirely let go of our caution.
1: The (sighs) consolidated linger straits are conducting aerial bombardments against civilian settlements across the northern coast of the peninsula. Their god rockets may fall without warning, (sighs) without mercy. Be prepared for anything. If a saint strike lands in your neighborhood, remember, prayer marks may be activated by hearing, by sight, or by touch. Even an unexploded god rocket may activate without warning at any time. Follow these simple instructions to resolve the problem. First, remove your earplugs from your government-issued package and insert them firmly into your ears. (sighs) <sighs> Next, remove your blindfold from your government-issued package and put it securely on. Remember to secure your own blindfold before attempting to put on anybody else's. Then and only then should you leave your home and attempt to deal with the saint strike. If your community has already installed its own public usage <laughs> saint, the Flame Dampener, simply release it from its cage and it stand well back.
0: I not even believe we're having this conversation. Bluebird's Perish Mid-Flight was an original single by Bebby and the Cat Attack. It was not. That was a cover, and the original hit single was by Susie Cliff, sorely overlooked despite being vocally superior with more raw emotion. How would you even have heard about it? You were squatting with your parish
4: in your river mud houses, worshipping leaky taps. We had radio. Hi, hi. Welcome to the Amicus Hotel. How can I help you today?
0: We want two rooms. Just for tonight. We want double beds, and we want those rooms to be a reasonable distance from each other. Three nights
5: ago, you said you were starting to like me.
0: Yeah, it should have been an impossible thing to fuck up, shouldn't it? A considerable distance between those two rooms. I don't know if you've got separate outbuildings or a hot air balloon or...
4: My friend has gone some time without coffee. And she's been proven wrong about a particular detail from her childhood. It's all making her very cranky. I'm not taking it personally. Do
0: you know Bluebirds perish mid-flight?
4: I have not heard of it.
0: Younger generation, huh? (laughs) Huh.
4: Okay, so I've got two rooms for you, 45 on the second floor, which is the top floor, 12 on the ground floor.
0: I'll take 12. His bullshit is airborne. It wafts upwards.
4: Bebby and the cat attack came first.
0: Is your restaurant open? Uh, I can open it. Just give me ten minutes, okay? Sure, we can go freshen up. Maybe freshen up your musical knowledge, you obstinate fucking mule. Perfect. Be right back.
4: We've got guests, and they are quite a pair. It's packed. Dev, what are you doing?
5: I'm going back to work. Back to glottage. Reality awaits. My sister abandoned me 25 years ago upon this highway. I'm not going to find her here. I'm not going to find any kind of certainty. I need to accept that. I need to stop chasing after something I can't control. Thank you, Seb. You really did help me a lot. You've cured me, if you want to look at it that way.
4: Were you trying to sneak away in the night? It's
5: the daytime. Dev. It's a motel, like you said. All the ghosts drift on. Look, I knew you'd try and convince me to stay for longer.
4: I'd want to talk to you, yes. Why wouldn't you want to talk to me? I,
5: I told you I wasn't brave.
4: Look, give up on finding your sister. Give up on anything you like, but you don't have to go so soon. Why? Why can't you stay for a few days longer, Dev? Is that really so unthinkable? Why can't you give yourself that?
5: Because I'd want to stay for longer.
4: I need to get down to the kitchen. Look, I... Please, Dev, will you just... Will you wait for me to get back before you go anywhere? Please... And we can talk? Can you promise me that?
5: (laughs) Okay. I'll wait. I promise, Sab. I'll wait, and we can talk before I go.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Def. I won't be long. In fact, I'd argue that her musical contribution was actually overhyped due to her tumultuous relationships with uh, uh, Jack Shine. All those headlines.
0: Overhyped? Are you... Are you... Are you trying to annoy me, Hayward? (laughs) Okay. Okay, I see how it is. Yeah, well played. Hey! Excuse me, how's it coming?
4: Yeah, it's good. Uh, You wanted waffles, right? Or was it crepes?
0: Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Now, Mesophonic Stew. That was an all-time album. I don't remember that one. Oh, lead track had this epic guitar riff. It went, um... I think that's just noises. No, it's not just noises.
4: I, uh, uh I, I just need to... Head upstairs for a second. You two okay for drinks before I go? Yeah, yeah, thank you. We're just nursing these. Great. Be right back.
0: Bottles under the counter. I saw it. Now,
4: uh, what was that guitar riff? The,
0: uh, uh... No! No! It was it don't fuck with me Hayward. It was
4: Dev, I'm sorry that took so long. I He left Of course he left. No, no, I, I don't believe that. I don't fucking believe that. You wouldn't do that, Dev. You're not unkind. You've never been unkind. You care about people. You care about your sister. You, you wouldn't break a promise. That's not in you. You wouldn't just leave. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. Uh Where are you?
3: Okay. Okay. It
4: it comes through the floor. That's what you said. The god comes up through the floor. If it took scene in room 41, it can get in anywhere. Anywhere on the top floor, maybe. There's gotta be something in the floor. Something I missed under, under the boards. Maybe a mark. Dev, how am I meant to find you? You said you buried your face in the pillow. And then you heard it underneath you. Not underneath you, behind you, because you were lying on your stomach. You remembered it wrong, Dev. It wasn't coming from underneath you, it was coming from above you. (sighs) Uh, A a a button? a A switch? nothing there. Dev, how is there nothing there? (sighs) Open up. Just please open up. I know you're there. I know you took him. Please. Open up and let me in. Hang on, Dev. I'm coming. Dev? Dev, are you here?
3: Dev Dev
4: Dev where are you It's me!
2: He's up Ah. here, Sebastian. He's here with me in the heart of the rapture. We're both waiting for you here. I apologize. I didn't mean to frighten you. I knew you'd come looking for him. You were always braver than you realized. Amicus? your predecessor. No, 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 I predate him. I was already in the walls when he came in. I'm your very first benefactor, Sebastian. I'm the one who's watched you from the walls. I'm the one who's followed you from corridor to corridor as you've made beds, greeted guests, cleaned away her cobwebs. I've watched you growing into your inheritance with a considerable amount of pride. Better stop walking. Careful. The walls of the rapture shift and change as they need to. I've never been able to control them. It's a long way in the dark, I know, and you may feel lost in here. Despair is an endless labyrinth, but you'll find your way to me. And after that, you'll understand everything. Don't give up hope. You're going to rescue Devereux. It's not going to end in tragedy. This will only be a passing moment of fear and unhappiness, and you'll both be better for having experienced it. He'll stay with you in this place. And his pain will flake from him. And your lives will turn to joy at last, like silver hair turning to white. It'll be the very best kind of love story.
4: You. You were the god under the bed.
2: Are you trying to keep me talking, Sebastian? You don't need to trick me. I'll lead you right to the inner sanctum. Follow the sound of the cuckoos, Sebastian. They herald the coming of spring. everything to you, Sebastian, before you save him. There'll be no
4: mysteries left. Explain it to me now. Help me understand.
2: You already understand. Because you're a compassionate soul, just as I am. <laughs> we love and we pity them in equal measure, Sebastian. These poor, forlorn creatures. These ghosts who rest for a night within our walls before drifting on. They drop their bags at reception, tired and weak, their eyes haunted by the road that lies behind them. And a smile only rises upon their lips when they talk about their destinations. Dear Francine, dear Deborah. We can change the name of the motel, we can spruce her up and apply a fresh look of paint to make her feel like something new. But it's the travelers who look just as tired and unhappy as they did last year. You and I, we know their journeys will never lead them to anything but despair. But we love them for persevering. How cruel would it be to rob them of their hope by letting them drift on to that
3: destination?
2: There was never a god under the bed. There was never anything to be frightened of here. The only deity that feeds in this place is the rapture herself, and she bestows wondrous blessings upon all who are delivered to her. You've always been her priest. Although you didn't know it. Hope built this place, after all. It's soaked into the bones, the foundations of this motel. It isn't about which way the rooms face, Sebastian. It never was. A hotel is a, a venue, a squatting place for tourists. A motel is something sacred bastion to hope along the endless road. A traveler's shrine, a stopping place of comfort and relief in a world of uncertainty. A place where we can dream of journey's end and our final destination. Motels are cathedrals to hope. You're so close now. You're already there. you've arrived the heart of the rapture it's been here waiting for you all of this time predecessor, Amicus, is up here, too. And his predecessor. And hers. Yours is a magnificent
4: lineage. Dev? Dev, where are you?
2: Dev? He's here, Sebastian. Uh, Fourth row, third on the right, dangling beside his sister. He's he's reached his destination.
3: Dev. Mom.
5: Dad. I can't believe I've really found you. I've found you. i found you.
4: Dev, wake up,
2: please. Wake up. He's watching a front door open and his mother and his father and Francine are all coming out running to greet him. He's growing old alongside them. Family celebrations and laughter, he'll keep on like that. A lifetime's joy playing out before his eyes until his body withers and rots a hundred years from now. And both of them are happy at
4: last. How do I get you loose from this? Dev, how do I get you out? Dev, wake up! Take it
2: easy on yourself. You've got plenty of time. I felt so guilty the first time Deborah fled from me. I always remembered him. He uh, uh, was so young, but already so full of pain. When I took his sister, when I came down from the ceiling and dropped the garrotte about her neck and I claimed her for the rapture, I as the struggling stopped and the fear left her eyes and she fell to our God's embrace, and it was such a beautiful thing to see her smile
3: at last.
2: I wish he could have had that for himself, the young boy, instead of drifting on. But the rapture summoned him back here in time, of course, and I shouldn't have expected that. Where else could he possibly have gone?
3: Dev? You're
2: frightened for it now. That's the pity of it. They lure us in with love stories, and then they break us with unhappy endings, and they've been doing it since time began. Well, you're done with unhappy endings, Sebastian. You're almost at the end of your journey, and it's an ending that'll make you
3: smile.
2: Can you see me moving in the dark yet, Sebastian?
3: Uh- Yes.
4: Yes. I can see you. And you'd better not fucking
3: move.
2: Let me tell you what's going to happen next. You'll hurt for a moment as you're lifted up into the rapture's embrace. You'll be frightened and confused and in pain, but only
3: for a moment. And then, you'll have certainty. You'll have
2: happiness. You'll get everything you deserve. You'll live on in a perfect moment of your own choosing. An exquisite dream of your life's destination. I'll be sorry to lose you. But you've more than earned it. Can you still see me, Sebastian?
4: Yes, I can still see
3: you.
2: No, you can't see me. Because I'm standing behind you. No, no, please. Don't worry, don't panic. It's going to be all right you'll find a way to kill me sebastian you'll wriggle free you
5: buck and kick or else there'll be a great intervention and some
2: heroic soul will come bursting in to save you you'll um, rescue devereux in time you'll cut him down and he'll gasp and blink as he wakes from his dream and you'll laugh together in relief and happiness <sighs> over you since you came to this place, Sebastian, and above all I know you deserve to be
3: happy. Sebastian,
2: (laughs) string me up, string me up amongst them, please. Hope is all we have, Sebastian. Hope is
3: all.
0: and the cat attack did sing the original version of birds perish mid flight Susie Cliff was the cover how did I get that wrong
3: I
5: forgive you carpenter feeling? Coming back to myself, I
4: think. Francine, is she- You can see her as soon as you'd like.
5: You must be exhausted. Will you come to bed? Everything else
4: can wait. Sure. I'll come to bed. Nothing underneath the bed? I don't think you need to worry.
5: The motel feels different already, doesn't it? Like like a presence has been banished. Perhaps. Close your eyes. Try and rest. I'm going to stay a little longer here at the Amicus. Help you get things sorted. Thank you. We should probably think of a new name for it. Everything's going to be okay now, you know? Everything's going to be better. For both of us. Are you awake, Sebastian?
4: Yes, yes. I'm here with you. You found me.